Welcome to Outlaw Radio Live with Zach Adams. My name is Zach, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia, called Calvary 316. I hope you stay with me over the next hour as we seek to deconstruct the negative perceptions of Christians by boldly and brashly discussing today's relevant topics in an honest and genuine way. For starters, let me tell you how you can contact Outlaw Radio. It's very important. It's my desire to have an interaction, a dialogue, a connection with you, the audience. If you have any questions, so much of the content of Outlaw Radio will be determined by you. If you have questions, you want to challenge something that was said, if you have topics that you would like me to address, literally, there's nothing off limits. Let me tell you how you can reach me. First, you can always submit your questions, comments, feedbacks, what have you, uh, via email. Our email address is info at outlawradio.org. Once again, that's info at outlawradio.org. We are also on Facebook. You can connect with us that way. Facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Once again, that's slash the radio outlaw. And then our Twitter handle is radio underscore outlaw. Uh, if you're interested in having your question played live on the air, uh, you can call, submit your question at 678-883-3316. That's the church phone number. Uh, we encourage you to leave a voicemail. Once again, if you keep your question pithy to the point and respectful, uh, we'd love to play your questions live on the air. Before we get to today's topic, I just got a five-minute rant that I need to go on about something that I saw this week, uh, this past week, that just really irritated me. Really, it was just kind of a, a burr in my saddle. And I just got to get this off my chest. This is a little bit of my therapy here. Uh, just a quick rant before we get to the topic uh, of our episode. And, and that is an article that I ran across on foxnews.com. And, and let me just read you the headline. Reverend Jesse Jackson says Trump would not qualify to get into Jesus' kingdom. Let me just, just read for you a little snippet of this article. Civil rights activist Reverend Jesse Jackson said this week that the Electoral College, quote, must come down and warned that President Trump may have trouble making it into heaven because of his views on immigrants. Jackson said that Trump demands people, quote, speak English, be qualified, and have a job or job skills. And then he says, Jesus would not qualify to come in Trump's country. He would not qualify to get into Jesus's kingdom. And then he goes on by quoting from the book of Matthew. That's insane. Like, that's absolutely insane that the Reverend Jesse Jackson would be so audacious to say that the president of the United States, or just claim that any other man, wouldn't be allowed into Jesus's kingdom based on his views concerning immigrants and the qualifications for those immigrants to enter the United States of America. As if your belief on immigration is the primary consideration Jesus takes into mind as it pertains to allowing you in to heaven or not. Last time I checked, there was only one qualification. And that's Jesus saying, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. Or him saying... Depart because I don't know you. The only qualification, Reverend Jesse Jackson, that determines whether or not Jesus allows you into heaven or not is whether or not you have a relationship with him. Like how dare a quote unquote reverend make such a claim? Like to make such a judgment, like who gives him the right to make that judgment? I don't care what your beliefs are about, about our president, about Donald Trump or not. Don't care. But to make, imagine, imagine for a moment, if you had a white pastor saying the identical thing about President Obama, I mean, that's how ludicrous his statement is. It doesn't reflect the church. It doesn't reflect me as a Christian. I'd like to know why we still call him Reverend Jesse Jackson, because what he's proclaiming is completely contradictory to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's insane. Anyway, that's my five minute or so 
rant of the week. Had to just get that off my chest. Wouldn't turn that into a whole show, but I just got a, a, a vent for just a minute. Now, to this week's episode. What we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about death. We're going to talk about why our own death freaks us out. I want to take some time to talk about why we struggle when people that we love die. And then I want to close today's episode by talking why death, and this this might sound weird, but that death is actually one of the greatest acts of God's grace. Now, now why is this idea, why is death on my mind? Well, this past weekend, a friend of mine, his father passed away. They held the funeral in Florida. I drove down to just attend. I love this guy. He's my brother. Not just, not just a friend. He's my brother. And I just wanted to be there. I wanted to be there for him. Now, full disclosure, um, I'm very uncomfortable at funerals. Uh, even as a pastor, like, like there's something about funerals that just... I'd much rather do a wedding than than officiate a funeral. I, I don't, I don't like it. And, and I've got all my theology in line. I, I know the, the 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 doctrinal T's and I's to to it all. I'm like I'm not scared of death. I just am uncomfortable when it comes to funerals. And the eulogizing and and the the tears and everyone is in black. I mean, funerals are a drag. Like they're they're just not a fun place. To go, really, the truth, not a single person wants to be at a funeral. I mean, that's that's just that's just the blunt reality of it. Not even the guy in the casket really wanted to be at the funeral. No one wants to be at funerals. And yet I went, and and, and it was a sweet ceremony. It, it really was. The pastor who officiated uh, put on a clinic. Just the, the tone, the tenor, his heart. Uh, I didn't know my friend's father. Um, and yet by the end of the service, I felt like I had gotten to know him, which, which to me is, is, is a success when you have a funeral and that's the result. Um, that's powerful. And yet driving home, I just was thinking about death and thinking about all of these things. And, and I'm just not good with it. I'm not, um, full disclosure. I I haven't lost anyone super close. Um, I ha- I still have my grandparents. My grandparents are in their their late eighties, their nineties. Uh, none of my grandparents have passed away. My parents uh, haven't passed away. Uh, my wife's parents haven't passed away. Like we we haven't just even as a family. Me personally, I haven't experienced a lot of these things. A lot of this death. Really, the closest thing that I that I personally come to is my childhood dog. So I'm like 27 years old. And my child, my mom calls, says Angel isn't doing well. You should probably come and say goodbye. So I rush over to the house. There's my childhood dog. I mean, it's my dog, right? Angel. I'm spending time with her and I'm crying and it's tears and snot. And like, it's an emotional thing. I mean, this is the closest loved one I've ever had that was that was dying. And and when she when she passed away, the vet came over. They They buried her. Uh, down in the meadow behind my where my parents live, and and uh, I to this day, years later, I've yet to go to the actual grave site. Just no interest. It just it just wigs me out. I'm just not. I just don't do well. But death, like death, is a. I mean, not to make light of something, but I mean the statistics on death are pretty incredible. I mean, one out of one persons is going to die. It doesn't matter what religion you are, what culture you are, where you live, how much money you have, how much money you don't have. It doesn't matter. Like death is the grand equalizer. Like not a single person is ever going to escape the destiny of death. The, the grand reaper is pretty good at what he does. Like it doesn't matter what your religious or, or philosophical framework, that the one universal idea, the one thing everyone has to accept and agree upon is that at some point we all die. Greek philosopher Epicurus, he said, it is possible to provide security against other ills, but as far as death is concerned, we men live in a city without walls. Roman poet Horace, he said, pale death beats equally at the poor man's gate. And at the palaces of kings. I mean, death 
It doesn't matter who you are or how privileged you are or disadvantaged you are. At some point, the one thing I can say with certainty about your future is you're going to die. And I know that's morbid. Here you are. You're listening to Outlaw Radio live with Zach Adams. And he's telling you, yes, you're going to die. You heard about this website? It's called deathclock.com. Like you go to the website, you enter some information about yourself, height, weight, age, etc. And then the website calculates the day you're going to die. For giggles, I did this. May 26th, 2068. Just three days shy of my 85th birthday. I'm going to die, according to this website. Um, you should go. You should check it out. It's kind of a fun exercise. Uh, I'm sorry if it tells you you're going to die tomorrow. You might need to get your affairs in order. But I mean, our society, death, like we've become obsessed with it, haven't we? Like we're obsessed with death. We hate it. We run from it. I mean, I mean, the fact you're going to die, it drives so many decisions, doesn't it? Like, like we're obsessed with prolonging life. Like, you shouldn't drink or smoke, right? Why? Well, you know, because you want to live longer. Like, one of the, the, the fallacies to the whole concept, like, you should eat healthier because uh, you, you want to live longer. You should work out so you live longer. Like, I've been around people, like, let's say I'm going to die naturally at the age of 85. Like, I've seen what life looks like from 85 to 95. I'm not sure if I want to be making all these sacrifices to prolong me living those 10 years. Now, if someone was able to say, like, hey, we can tack on 10 extra years at the beginning, then that's great. Do you really want to live that long? Especially if, 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 you're, if you're cursed with Alzheimer's or dementia or any of that type of stuff. Like, we're so obsessed with prolonging life. It's It's insane. It's why our culture, like we're obsessed with eating correctly, exercising and working out, going on these different diets because we're going to live longer for the 10 years that are going to be miserable. I don't know. No thanks. But, but it's a truth, right? Death. Like we want to prolong life because death, if we're honest, and I don't care if you're a Christian or non-Christian, it freaks us out. Like, death freaks you out. Anyone that says that death doesn't freak them out at some level is just lying to you. English poet Barry Cornwall, he describes death as the tyrant of the imagination. And doing some show prep, one of the things you're going to learn about me is I I am an Apple nerd. Uh, I bought the very first iPhone 4. Uh, It was the 4 gig. Uh, uh, the, the first iPhone, the four gig iPhone, I purchased that, <laughs> bought the first iPad. I've always had Apple computers. Um, I am an Apple nut, but in, in prepping for this, I ran across a 2005 commencement address that, uh, Steve jobs, who, as you know, has passed away, the founder, the CEO, the, the, the brainchild, the creative of Apple. Steve Jobs, he gave the commencement address at graduation for Stanford University 2005. Let me just read you a little bit of what, of what he wrote because it's interesting. It's, it's actually very honest. He says, no one wants to die. Even people who want to go to heaven don't want to die to get there. And yet death, death is the destination we all share. No one has ever escaped it. And that is as it should be. He continues, because death is very likely the single best invention of life. It is life's change agent. It clears out the old to make way for the new. Right now, the new is you. But someday, not too long from now, you will gradually become the old and be cleared away. Sorry to be so dramatic, but it's quite true. Positive thoughts from Steve Jobs. Now, 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 let me explain why I think death freaks us out, specifically as Americans, maybe even more so than, than other cultures. And I found that, that death, it's hard, to, it's hard to reconcile with our practical philosophy. You see, we live in a, in a culture dominated by what's called naturalism, driven by the theory of evolution, that nature... It, let me just give you a definition for naturalism. 
Naturalism states that natural laws and forces operate in the world and that nothing really exists beyond the physical universe. Like nature, according to naturalism, is the only reality and matter is all that has ever been or ever will be. Naturalism states that everything that is, is best accounted for by reference to material principles. Things like mass and energy and other physical chemical properties accepted through an empirical study and intellectual reasoning. Furthermore, naturalism holds that the supernatural concepts, because nature is all that there is, supernatural ideas like spirits, deities, gods, the miraculous, they're not real and they have no room in the intellectual community. Like, like naturalism drives all of our science departments. But, but, here's, but here's the thing. Naturalism creates an interesting concept about man. You see, man in, in this philosophy is just one piece of the physical universe. Like it, it runs in total contradiction to what the Bible says. Naturalism says that, that no part of man, you or I, separates us from the rest of the plant, animal, or even material, uh, a mineral universe. Man's existence is completely explained by natural processes. Man is the chance of biochemical evolution. As a result, neither of us, none of us, are duty-bound to adhere to, to specific moral rules. We can live as we please. And yet, when we die... Naturalism says when man dies because he's just part of the natural world, death brings our extinction. Uh, understand, the theory of evolution taught in every single public high school and all the universities, it presents a notion that when you die, the philosophy, when you die, it's it. You cease to be. Like there's no part of you that lives forever. There's no part of you that continues on. When you are dead, you are extinct. That's why it freaks us out. Because if that's true, that's ominous, isn't it? According to one naturalist, human destiny is an episode really between two oblivions. Man lives. His life is filled with suffering. It's pointless. It's meaningless. It's vapor. And then what happens? He dies. That's it. That's the human existence. And, and you see, death, it, it bothers us. It bothers us because there's something within us. And I don't care what your beliefs are. You're bothered by death because something deep inside of you, that idea of naturalism, that when you die, you cease to be, that doesn't compute. The Bible says that God has put eternity into the hearts of, of, of men, women, that there's a component of humanity where we want to live. We know we'll live. As much as I can hear science tell me when I die, I cease to be, that doesn't, that doesn't fit with something I know deep inside of me. See, the Bible, the Bible says that we're created in the image and the likeness of God. That humanity is not a part of creation, but is over creation, unique to the rest of creation. Humanity exists in what's called a trichotomy. That, that we're not just the physical body, but that we have a soul, that there is a immaterial part of you, and that it's the spirit uh, that not just gives life to the physical body, but also affords life to the immaterial you, that you're not just your chemicals, your DNA, your biology, but that you're actually something else, something intangible, something spiritual, that the real you is not the vessel. And so when, when we're told in science classes that, wow, uh, when the vessel dies, you die, that doesn't, that doesn't fit. I mean, the easiest way to challenge an atheist is what happens when you die? Because the answer doesn't work. No one wants to accept that when they die, that's just it. The lights go out. There's no memories. There's no people. It's interesting that you don't see funerals eulogized in such a way. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here for this person who has died and no longer is. Don't you feel happy? Well, we're running against a hard break. We'll be back in just a few minutes here on Outlaw Radio. One of the things we want to accomplish with Outlaw Radio is to challenge Christians to think critically, ask relevant questions, and then seek answers on their own. 
The sad truth is that there are many Christians walking around representing Jesus with literally no clue why they believe what they do. This is why, in addition to our show tackling the tough topics you might not hear on Sunday at church, we want to equip you, inspire you, and challenge you to study God's Word and wrestle with these challenging topics on your own. To aid you in this process, we want to share a resource we find incredibly valuable. Check out blueletterbible.org. In addition to a treasure trove of free commentaries, blueletterbible.org has an incredible word search function, as well as the ability to dive into the original language behind a text. Basically, blueletterbible.org simplifies the process where you can study the Bible on your own. Now, back to Zach. Welcome back to Outlaw Radio. My name is Zach Adams. Today we're talking about death and why it freaks us out, why, why death bothers us so much. One of the reasons that we explained in, in the last segment is that uh, death freaks us out because it, it doesn't compute with the philosophy the world has, has kind of crammed down our throat, naturalism. That, that mat- the material world is all that there is, that there's nothing beyond it, that you are nothing more than the building blocks. And yet the Bible says that you're more than that, that you're not just a body, but you're a soul, that there is an immaterial part of you that, that lasts even after the death of the physical. But it freaks us out because what we're told in science class is that when you die, you just cease to be, and that just... It doesn't work in a very practical sense. There's a there's a TV show that my wife and I have been really enjoying. Uh, there's been two seasons. It's on Amazon. It's called The Man in the High Castle, and I won't spoil anything for you. But it, it the show presents this hypothetical alternate universe where um, Germany and Japan happen to have won World War II, and thus America gets divided between. Uh, the West Coast, which is run by Japan, and, and the East Coast, run by the Third Reich. So you're given this this interesting insight into what what Nazism would have looked like if it if it had won the war and that society had been able to flourish and grow and dominate the world. One of the most fascinating scenes is a funeral. So much of 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 Nazism and, and Hitler's ideology was based in the survival of the fittest. It was the entire uh, philosophical framework for the superior race, and thus the need uh, to get rid of races that were inferior. Like it, it, like he took survival of the fittest. That in order for a superior race to emerge, you had to get rid of aspects of society that were dragging uh, everyone down. But, but there's a part of the, the show where there's a funeral and, and you're just kind of given a glimpse into how that society was such a belief, how they processed death. And it was all about how the individual contributed to the whole, how they contributed to society. There was nothing about the afterlife. There was no hope. There was no assurance. The, 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 the one concept the family was to take solace in and their grief was that the life that their beloved had lived contributed to the whole. That's sad. It's sad, but it, at least it's consistent with the theory of evolution and the idea of naturalism, that man doesn't live forever, that when we die, we simply go extinct. You know, it, it's more this idea of, of death bothering us. It's more than just an intellectual or, or a philosophical problem. Think of it like this. Though I might want to fly like a bird, that would be cool, right? If you had those dreams where you can just jump off like Superman and fly around. like Though I might want to fly like a bird, it's true, right? My inability to fly, that doesn't keep me up at night. Does it keep you up at night? If it does, you should, you should go talk to someone. Like, I can want to fly like a bird, but it doesn't bother me that I can't fly like a bird. And here's why. Fundamentally, <laughs> I was never created to fly. So my inability to do something I was created to do doesn't bother me because I wasn't created to do it. However, when science tells me that death is the end of my existence, like regardless of my intellectual or philosophical bent, I find myself bothered because here's the thing, 
These two issues, they can't be the same. Like nature says I can't fly because I'm not a bird. And that I cease to exist when I die because I'm nothing more than matter. But that freaks me out because why I might not have the ability to fly so that doesn't bother me. The reason death bothers me is that I was actually created to live forever. Like contrary to scientific consensus. Human beings... Adam and Eve were not designed to die. Think about that for a moment. Like, you're a superhero. <laughs> like, like, the interesting thing about you is that the human body was designed, was, was the original blueprint, is that you were to live forever. Adam and Eve were never supposed to die. They were, su- they were supposed to be alive today, meaning that their body had certain abilities to do that. Like, have you ever like just sat back and thought how, how gnarly it is that you get a cut and your skin, like your body heals you? Like sometimes there's not even a scar. Like the human body, your biological makeup, it's, it's incredible. Like we don't even understand all of the aspects of you. And yet the, the Bible says that you were created to live forever. But what did God warn? He told Adam and Eve, right? There's a tree, the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat. You eat that fruit. You're rebelling against me. It's disobedience. Sin enters. And because of sin comes death. Like death is not part of God's blueprint. It's the byproduct of man's rebellion. That man ends up dying. But that, that presents kind of an interesting complexity. Because think of, it, think of it this way. If, as a human being, you were fundamentally not created to die, but death is the byproduct of sin, you're going to die. Then what that means is that the ability to deal with death, the death of a friend, a family member, a loved one, the ability to cope with death, human death, if humans weren't designed to die, then God didn't create, a, create us to deal with human beings dying. Like, you see this when you're around people that are, that are suffering a loss. I've seen this with my friend. Like, we call it five stages of grief, right? The five stages, right? It begins with denial. Like, you just can't, you can't, you just, if I can just not accept this somehow it'll make it easier like it begins with denial you just deny that your your loved one's sick that they're gonna die you just and and then you isolate like it's easier to just escape than have to deal with the reality of what you're facing so you have denial but but then you also you'll see people they'll go from denial to just being flat out ticked anger they get angry at the doctor who made the prognosis. They get angry at the tobacco company that sold the cigarettes or, or the power plant nearby. Like we'll find all kinds of, of, of people, things. Like we want to blame something. We blame God. We get angry at God. Angry at that family member for, for having the lifestyle that they had. Denial, anger. The third stage of, of grief is bargaining. Like, because you can't control any of this stuff happening. There's this need to, to, to regain control, which is, which is why you, you not only seek someone to blame, but you, you start bargaining. We need a second opinion. We need to do this. You go into problem-solve mode. There's denial, anger, and then problem-solve, bargaining. And then ultimately, you end up with depression and then acceptance. Like, I can't run from reality. I have to accept that this is the way that it is. But I'm depressed. I don't want to accept it. It's difficult. It's sad. I'm bummed out. Like, you notice these five stages of grief, loss. Not only are they wide-ranging. Like, like if, you, if you're just looking at typical human emotions... Like denial, anger, bargaining, depression, etc. I mean, I mean, it's a wide array 
of varying emotions, emotional responses to something, right? And people deal with it all differently. Like you could go right from denial to depression. You could go from acceptance to then anger. Like there's no rhyme or reason or order. Like everyone grieves differently, which, which on a quick side note, if you are happening to be listening and you are dealing with a loss or a one that's coming, like there's no rule for how you should grieve. This is the point. Like you weren't created to die, thus you haven't been equipped with the emotional tools to cope with that death. It's why your body ends up, when faced with such a thing, filtering through all these different emotions. Because what is it doing? It goes from varying things and wide swings. Why? Because your body's trying everything it can to, to, to pull up something that will, that will, will help. That will make you feel better. That will make it easier to, to rationalize. The problem is, is that nothing works. Because the tool to deal with death doesn't exist. Because you weren't created to die. And the people in your life weren't created to die. And so, in, in our grief, in our loss, we run through these crazy, varying emotions. Just trying to find a way to deal with something. The interesting thing is that we, we, we can't. And, and the truth is that's not a bad thing. Death. Death serves to remind us of something. Now, I know that if you're in the, the, the situation where you're dealing with a death, this is going to come across kind of brash and a little bit of brazenness, maybe insensitive. But like death... It reminds us of our mortality. It, it reminds us that life, for all of us, is slipping away. That life itself is really not something we can control because death can come at any moment. Like, we're not only freaked out about death because of what it is, but we're freaked out about death because we don't know when it's coming. Like, you don't know when you're going to die. I hope you live a great long life. But the truth is that there are people maybe listening to this very episode that, that won't make it to tomorrow. I know that's, once again, not a, a very rosy picture, but it's the reality. Like, death, it reminds us every day that life is A, worth living, that life is just a gift. But at some point, this life will end and a new one will begin. And that, that next life will be predicated upon this one. Death is to remind us that we're temporal. I couldn't help as I was sitting there in a pew watching this funeral of my friend's father. I, I couldn't help but think about my own funeral. I know it's morbid, but I think anyone that goes to a funeral thinks about it. Like, what, what songs would I want played? Like, how would I want my life eulogized? What would I want my kids to hear? What legacy would I leave? How many people would come? You, you think about, would I want to be cremated? Buried in a box? Mortality. Death makes us grapple with our mortality. And, and yet here's, here's the craziest thing about death. The craziest thing about death is that, yes, it forces us to look at the brutal reality that our life will end and will we'll transition to a new one. But death, because of that, in a very weird twist, death ends up being, I think... And we'll talk about this in the next segment. One of the greatest demonstrations of the grace of God. We, we, we look at death often as the punishment for sin. But death itself also affords us a remedy. 
If you're in Georgia listening right now in the greater Athens area and you don't have a church home, we encourage you to check out the church that Zach Adams pastors, Calvary 316. Not only would you be hard-pressed to find a collection of people more real and genuine about their Christian experience, but the entire outlaw radio culture of grace flows out of the ministry of Calvary 316. Keep in mind, Calvary 316 is a church that's relaxed and uber-contemporary, but is unapologetically believer-focused. We focus our service on teaching the Bible in order to see Christians grow and mature in their faith. To learn more about the church community or to access Zach's sermon media, please visit calvary316.com. Once again, that's calvary316.com. Now, here's Zach with the last part of today's show. Welcome back to Outlaw Radio. We are having kind of a morbid conversation this evening about death, how, how death freaks us out, how it doesn't jive with, with the, the philosophy of, 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 our, of our society, this, this naturalism, that the fact that, that when I die, I cease to be, that doesn't, that doesn't work because I'm, I, I'm, I won't cease to be that I'm created to live forever. And, and it's because that God created us to live forever that death is very hard for us to deal with as it pertains to not just freaking us out personally, but in the presence of our own grief. Like we go through these five stages of grief because our body's trying to find some way to cope with something it isn't designed to cope with. Death, it reminds us that life is a gift. Death can come at any moment. We don't have the control that we think we do. And yet I want to, in our last segment here, I want to talk about how death is actually this incredible gift of grace. That death, human death, is a wonderful thing. Back in Genesis, Genesis 2 verse 17, God was clear to Adam. He was given this garden He could enjoy it. He could have fun. There was one tree that was off limits. God was clear that human sin would yield a certain death. That God was clear that man, if he were to rebel, that rebellion would isolate him immediately from God. God actually warned. He said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. In Romans 6, verse 23, Paul, Paul, the apostle, he affirms this reality, saying very simply that the wages of sin is death. You know the Bible? Like if you, if you examine the Bible from this macro perspective, like the Bible provides substantial proof that God indeed meant what he said to Adam. As a matter of fact, the the Bible provides substantial proof that God's word is sure. And here's why. No one escapes death. And the day you eat of it, you will surely die. The wages of sin is death. No human being has ever escaped that fate. Like if you look through the Bible, the Bible is filled. A lot of great stories. It's filled with a lot of death, a lot of names, of people who then die. Adam and Eve, their children, Cain, Abel, Seth. Every generation leading up to the flood died. The family of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau. Jacob's wives, Rachel and Leah, his sons, Joseph, King David, Moses, all of the judges run down. They're not... The Bible is a story where all of the characters, none of them but one, make it out alive. Everyone dies as a result of sin. And and you need to understand that it was a manifestation of God's grace that all of these saints died. And here's why. This is why death is not so much a punishment for sin but is part of the remedy concerning sin. And here's why. Human death is the first step in God's plan for salvation. 
Like because of man's fallen condition, keep in mind, when man sinned, it screwed up everything. It screwed up man. It screwed up man's relationship with one another. It alienated him from God. It messed up the planet. You run down the list, everything wrong with this world, everything wrong with you is a byproduct of sin. And thus you're fallen. You are in a fallen state. And it's because of this fallen condition that God, God did something really gracious. You know what would have been just? What, what the most just thing would have been in the garden? When Adam and Eve sinned, this would have been just for God to have allowed Adam and Eve to live forever in their fallenness. This is the life you created. Enjoy it eternally. That would have been the most just thing for God to have done. But that's not what he did. Instead, God demonstrated grace by allowing Adam and Eve to die. Matter of fact, in, in, with that intention, we're told in Genesis that he eliminated their access, not just from the Garden of Eden, but more specifically, the tree of life. In the presence of man's fallenness, God graciously eliminated his ability to live forever in that fallen condition. You see, here's why death is so gracious. Eternal life lived in a fallen state, separated by God, is the very definition of hell. If God had allowed Adam and Eve to have remained in the garden, living forever in their fallenness, they would have, in that very moment, entered hell. That would have been hell. Eternal life in a fallen state, separated from God. But that's not what happened. In an act of his grace, God allowed death. He introduced death into the human system. A human system not designed to die. God introduced something foreign. He introduced human death. Why? So man would not be forced to live in his fallenness forever. You see, death, and this is what a lot of people don't understand. Death is an amazing thing because it affords a fallen man a new chance on life. It affords all men a new chance on life. That my life in this world is not what eternity looks like. Ironically, it would have been just if God had allowed humanity to live eternally in fallenness, in sin. And yet, God graciously instituted human death in order to separate your life and mine, man's life, all of humanity. Death separates our existence into two sections. Don't miss this. Death separates your existence into the temporal and the eternal. It's powerful. You know, in a sense, God. You know, God has allowed every human being a taste of hell. Like every human being gets a taste of hell. We're all born into a fallen condition. We're all born into a fallen world, suffering from the effects of being separated from God, the effects of sin. Everyone knows firsthand what life separated from God looks like. We all know it. We all sense it. We all experience it. We all come face to face every day with what life and rebellion to God is like. And yet... How amazing it is that because of the sweet grace of death, such a state does not have to last forever. Death, my death, won't be the end of me. It'll be a moment that I'm, I'm translated into something else. That a metamorphosis occurs, a resurrection where I move from this life of fallenness into one of glory. The incredible reality of death is that it affords humanity, it affords you, it affords me, a choice that we would never have been given if we had remained in the garden and retained access to the tree of life. And, and, and here's, here's the choice that death gives you. 
you can choose to continue forever in hell through a separation from God, or you can choose a new life to be lived eternally in the presence of God. This is the choice that you can make. You can look around at your world. You can look around at you. You can look at the brokenness and the, and the, and the wickedness and how unjust and unfair unequitable. You can look around at this world and if you like what you see, you know what God will allow you to do? Live in that forever. Separated from him. But if you look around at this world and you're like, this is terrible and I long for something else, something better, something where my brokenness is, is resolved, where, where, where my hurts are healed, where my heart is made whole. Like, if you look at this world and you're like, it, there's got to be something better. Friend, there is. And you can make a choice. You can make a choice to continue forever in hell. Or you can make a choice for a new life. Eternally lived in the presence of God. It's death that allows the temporal man Every character you run into in the Bible. Death allows mankind an opportunity to make a choice. A choice that we don't deserve. A choice that we haven't earned. A choice that God gave and a mechanism that makes it possible. Death. I can continue in this hell or I can choose a new life. In heaven, death, everyone's died. Every single human being to walk this earth has died. That's a reality. Even Jesus died. But what's, what's awesome is that Jesus made it out alive. You see, one of the reasons that I've given my life to Jesus, why I'm a Jesus follower, is because unlike every other world religion, Jesus did something incredibly audacious, bold, radical. He told his followers, even his critics, he said, everything I've said, I'm going to make predicated upon one miracle. I'm going to do one thing no human being has ever done in the history of the world, and I'm going to place my legitimacy on this one thing. I'm going to die. Three days later, I'll be raised from the dead. Muhammad doesn't do that. Buddha doesn't do that. You run through all the... No one is... No one's insane enough to make such a claim unless you're Jesus. See, people people want to reach all kinds of conclusions about Jesus. It's either one of two things. Either Jesus rose from the dead and is who he said he was, or he didn't and was a lunatic. If he's a lunatic, I don't need to care. But if he rose from the dead, validating everything that he said, including, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. That new life is found in him. That heaven is predicated upon One of two things, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest or depart because I don't know you. If you look around at this life and death freaks you out, you can have a blessed assurance that you can make a decision to follow Jesus and Jesus can lead you through death to life that the moment you breathe your last, the moment you close your eyes, you awake to glory. I'd love to hear your thoughts and your feedback. We're running out of time. You've been listening to Outlaw Radio live with Zach Adams. If you like what you heard, please, we want to hear from you. Reach out. All the ways you can contact us, you can find on our website, which is outlawradio.org. Once again, that's outlawradio.org. Connect with me, social media, Twitter, Facebook. There's grace and death because it gives you a choice you would never have. And I encourage you to make that choice today. God bless. You've been listening to the one and only Outlaw Radio Live with Zach Adams. 
As mentioned, if you like what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or check out our website by visiting outlawradio.org. To listen again to today's show, access our daily two-minute broadcast or full-length episodes, check out the Outlaw Radio podcast, available both on iTunes and Google Play. Once again, don't forget, we want to hear from you. If you have any questions, want to challenge something that was said, or would like to submit topics you'd like to hear Zach discuss on air, you can either email us at info at outlawradio.org or leave us a voicemail at 678-883-3316. Again, that's 678-883-3316. Finally, programs like Outlaw Radio are wonderful tools God can use to change lives. But as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. First, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. And yet, if God has laid it upon your heart to extend your generosity above and beyond your tithe, we'd ask that you'd prayerfully consider supporting Outlaw Radio. Every donation ensures this show remains on your local station. To learn how you can become a financial partner, please visit outlawradio.org. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you join us again next week for Outlaw Radio Live with Zach Adams. Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with his productions.